Welcome to The Next, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Justin Hartung. And I'm Fanny Darling. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we always do our best to let you know that they're coming. This week, we're keeping it sleazy by talking about the Good Place finale and taking a look back at the series as a whole. Plus, I've got questions about Jean-Luc Picard's French accent. So that was a little Orange Juice, uh, the great lost early 80s band in honor of uh, hashtag Nihilus Nancy this week. Um, all right. What did you do in pop culture this week? Not a lot. I'm not going to go into, you know, all the reasons why, but um, I did start a new book. It's called The Invited. It's by Jennifer McMahon. Um, it's less than a year old, but it's not a new release. It's a um, ghost story, but kind of like a a little bit of a twist on the classic ghost, like you inherit a haunted house ghost story, right? That, that Gothic. Um, instead, this is a woman and her husband who decide to chuck it all and go live in the, the woods, uh, and build their own home from scratch, but they buy a plot of land that is supposed to be haunted. And she's a history teacher, so she actually goes into the history of the land and uses like beams from an old school that the that uh, that maybe the person who haunted the land went to. And so she is basically building her own haunted house, and the spirit uh, has. The spirit that she is, and you find this out in the prologue, basically, the spirit that she is summoning back has a few bones to pick. She was, um, she could, she had visions of the future and ended up being hung a hundred years ago by the townspeople for a crime that she was protecting her daughter from. So she has a bit of a bone to pick with this whole town up there in Vermont. Um, I believe it's Vermont. Anyway, it's creepy. It's well written. It it's atmospheric, and I'm enjoying it. I'm only about a third of the way through it. Uh, I can't always read it at night, but I'm having a good time. This sounds delightful. It's it's really fun. I'm enjoying it. I'll let you know as it progresses if I continue to like it. But I am having a good time. <laughs> um, I am one episode away from finishing uh, Ray Donovan, which was canceled uh, this week. Ray Donovan has been a fun show. It's been a good show. It's never been a great show. Um, Liev Shriver has always been great in my heart. Pa Paula Malcolmson, I love you. Um, always had good guest stars. I'm not surprised. I think they probably knew that they there was a possibility they were going to be canceled or they just didn't want to... Uh, say this is our last season type of thing. Um, I have not watched the last episode, but they were definitely gearing up toward an end. I can report back after I watched the last episode. But Ray Donovan, hat tip, yet you had a good run. You did a lot of good things. You were fine. I may or may not forget about you in five years. The sexiest guy I ever saw to Banana Republic in Brooklyn. Yay! And I think about that all the time because I think I really hope he's 
as amazing as he seems to be. And I don't know that he's sexy, though. That's what I mean. In a, you know, because he's like, he loves the right things. He has a non-binary kid. He, like, is good friends with his ex-wife and they're co-parenting. So I want him to be as animalistically sexy as I make him to be in my head. So I, You know that you've got the other side of the story. It's good, good balance. It makes me so happy. Um, per last week's epi- uh, uh, episode... Uh, we got good news. Work in progress got renewed for season two. So yay, yay come on back. Go make us happy. Last week, uh, us talking with Fanny Sun Parker yes. about work in progress. It was I a lot have of fun. Oh, go ahead. It was a good episode. Go it was it. a good episode. It's a good show. I have started to all of a sudden see and hear so much more about work in progress since we, I, I know we didn't do anything to make it happen, but I'm really excited to start to see it out in the world and people saying, watch it. I've seen it up here on a lot of uh, queer people's lists of here's the shows that you're not watching that you should be watching that, that represent well. So work in progress. Good job, Theo Germain. Please come back for season two. I'm very, very excited. What did you do in pop culture this week, Justin Hartong? I did stuff with you that we we're both supposed to Yay! talk about. Yeah. Um, I, did, I did stuff with you that sounded dirty. Um, <laughs> we were in Tahoe with uh, your son, Parker. We did. And we watched some stuff together we did. Uh, that we have to talk about. Old um, movies. Old movies and wait, what did we watch? I'm just it was kidding. Old? We watched Let's talk about it all. Uh, totally the Twilight forgetting. Zone. We did watch the Twilight Zone, which still holds up, guys. Yes. Especially the last two uh, segments of that. Uh, the one with um, the kid that sends people to the cornfield. Sorry, spoilers for an old ass Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> but uh, man, Joe Dante's crazy Looney Tunes psycho version. Scary. I think Parker still. really enjoyed it, that. He really enjoyed it, yeah. and it scared him. And it's so good. Yeah. Um, we had a little trouble with the uh, uh, Landis uh, Vic Morrow one. We just one. skipped over so just it. Skip over that one. But I've man. gone into my problems with that on this show before, so moving on. Yeah, the Spielberg <laughs> one is a little dumb, but man, that is a still a really fun movie. Yes, and we also watched The, the Ring, Ring. <laughs> which it was funny to watch The Ring with Parker because, like, I was like, "Oh, I think this is a new classic," and Parker had never seen it, and we have a tradition of watching kind of horror movies up there with him. I think he enjoyed it more than he really enjoyed it. And you know what's interesting was I kind of rolled my eyes when we came back. I was in and I was talking to our our friend and our bartender Mitch, and I was saying, "Oh, and we watched The Ring," and I, and I was like, kind of like insulating myself for him to think it was kind of dumb, and and he's like that movie scared the shit out of me and I moved the TV out of my bedroom and I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm not just old and jaded. Yeah, it still works on a certain level. I think being of a certain age, you think, oh, oh, if only horror were so innocent. It's like a viral videotape. The older you get, the less scary that movie. It becomes kind of a nostalgia trip. It's like a nice, warm, fuzzy nostalgia trip. And yet it's still fucking scary. It's so pretty scary. She comes out of that TV it's with... True. Okay, 20, yeah. you know, 17-year-old spoilers. I know 17 because I watched it when Parker was a newborn. With the scary-ass hair, she comes out of that TV for you. It's That's freaky. some scary, creepy stuff. It's freaky. Um, we also watched October Faction on Netflix. Um, Parker and I watched attentively the first two episodes. I think Fanny maybe saw an episode and a half. You Probably. I was tired. <laughs> um, 
What did you, okay, a little history. October Faction is based on a comic series. It is a guy that's written a couple things. I think he's written some, uh, whatever that ID, whatever that, uh, what's that comics company that does sort of edgy ID something? Anyways, in, Layla, tell us what it is. Um, October Faction, I'd never heard of this comic. It's a new show on Netflix. It stars a bunch of like rando JC McKenzie. Yeah, JC McKenzie is the lead male. He's basically, he was in. Murder One, he played Arnold Spivak, he was in Hemlock Grove, he played Arnold Spivak, which I think the writer of Hemlock Grove had watched the Bochco uh, Murder One. He's one of, he literally is in the documentary, that guy who was in that thing, so he's one of those guys that was in that thing. I have always liked him, but uh, it's fun to get him to see him in a part where he gets to kind of be almost like the cool guy, which is weird because he never plays that guy. He reminds me a little bit of um, Cameron from Ferris Bueller's. He does look a bit like Alan Ruck. Yeah. Well, he's got a lot Alan Ruck, probably younger at this point. I don't know. Anyways. About the same age, actually, probably. This show is uh, about a family of monster hunters. Well, especially the parents are monster hunters. Um, They hide it from their kids. Uh, at least one of their kids is queer. They it's a it's a biracial family. Uh, it sort of definitely feels to me like a little bit of a Buffy kind of uh, DNA. We use Buffy DNA as a theme for today. We were talking about this earlier. What did you think of October Faction? I had a really fun time. This is not a good show. I feel like I say this a lot. <laughs> this is not a good show. I had so much fun watching this show. It is quite off obvious to me that everybody in this show knows what it is and is still enjoying themselves anyway and is also at the same time not just phoning it in they are all still acting and writing as if it it is not just a joke which i appreciate it's like you can be campy and you can be not a great show and still have actors who are giving it their all and writers who are bothering to pay attention to plots and not have to be a Pulitzer Prize winning, you know, or some, you know, you don't have to get an Academy Award to be fun and to have a good time. And I feel like we've lost that when we don't have Buffy and we don't have, where everything has to be prestige instead of just, oh you know God, what? So true. This, is kind, this was fun and it was campy and we all had a good time doing it. And that's what we loved about Buffy. And that's what we loved about those types of shows where you're all in on it together and you're all winking at it together. And you know, you know, we're not here to win any awards we're just here to have a good time together and to tell a fun story and to have a great romp and i i'm looking forward to seeing more i will re-watch episode two that i slept through the last half of <laughs> but i will go back and watch it more i i like that this show has sort of pulled the prestige plug out of its ass and decided let's just have a good time what'd you think I super enjoyed it, and I had no expectations for it. And one of the things I liked about it that your son actually commented on, too, was the way the... So it's sort of a flip on Buffy, which is sort of smart. It's the parents are in the know, whereas Buffy was sort of the horrors of high school, but you have to hide it from the adults of how truly horrible being a teenager is. This (laughs) is the reverse. It is about the horrors of being a parent and an adult and a married kind of spouse and how that sort of, you know, if you're a monster hunter, how that would play out. Um, There are these 
scenes between uh, these parents where they are getting high and wandering through a store and sort of just like munchy shopping and then have to kill, uh, you know, crazy, you know, fanged vampire creatures uh, that I found like this is what I wanted from the Buffy comic sequel like if you ever wanted to do a Buffy thing where you thought about what is it like with these characters as adults I think this show carries it through really nicely agreed also I think uh the fact that it's a biracial family and doesn't really make a big deal of it and this is a little bit of a spoiler but sort of sets you up to think that that's a deal but it's not yeah um but it is uh really funny and Silly, but also sort of scrappy in a funny way. I miss the scrappiness. And if there's net, if Netflix can do one thing with original programming, and I Stranger Things, I'm looking at you. You don't feel very scrappy to me. Like this show felt scrappy in a way. Like the CW when they used to invest in weird shows or like the WB or whatever. Like this feels like that kind of show with some swear words and a little extra blood. Like, this is kind of what I want from Netflix right now. Netflix, <laughs> when you absolutely positively have to say fuck. Exactly. Yep. Right there. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I've only seen two episodes. I liked them both. I want to keep watching. I, when sitting on my couch, completely brain dead and not wanting to do anything else except watch reruns of Vanderpump Rules, which is what I ended up doing, I have thought, oh, I could put October Faction back on, but I don't even have that much of a brain. But it is there in the recesses and the shadows of my mind. Also, it has something to do, which we didn't talk about, with October being the time when monsters come out. So I'm like, is every season just going to be like a month? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like in a year? I don't. I'm a little confused about the the general framing. The monster part of this is a little weak. Let's be honest. Um, but it's fun. Who it's cares? Fun. Who cares? <laughs> Certainly better than evil. Womp, yeah. womp. Um, we also both read uh, a book. We've both I, read a book in a week. I talked about it a little bit on uh, on the last episode, but I finished it and then handed it off to you. So what was it? Are you listening? Tilly Walden, uh, who made some press, I think really a mm-hmm. couple years ago with Spinning, which was a big, maybe a year ago even, yes. which is a big graphic novel. Um, also, I love this part was one that got a lot of, uh, another one of her novel okay. uh, graphic novels that got a lot of press. And this was, I, go back and listen to hear Finney talk more eloquently about it, but I, our friend... Uh, Layla had uh, works at a comic shop and passed it on to us. Um, I was just kind of like, "Oh, neat cover, pretty pictures. I'm going to take a look." Um, <laughs> I really liked this book. I'm just going to go first because yeah. um, you started last week. Yep. It's I, I think the thing that I said. Uh, I don't know if I said it last week, but looking at it, I thought, "Oh, it's kind of dark. A lot of it's at night. I can't really see anything." But it sort of made me peer closer at it. I was just like, what's in the edges of these dark panels and what's happening? And also, don't just, like, flip through like it's a bad fucking Marvel comic. Like, like look right? at the, like feel the emotional beat of the panel that you're looking at. And it, it requires a different part of your brain. And this is why graphic novels are fucking great. And I don't read enough of them. It absolutely I, makes you pay attention. Yep. It's, it slows your pace down. Yep. Um, you almost don't want to rush through it because mm-hmm. you don't, you know, it's especially in the case of this book, this is not about, and we're not going to go into too many spoilers because I think there's a book that people should kind right. of discover on their own. Agreed. Um, but it doesn't force you, it doesn't get you in that way of like, I want to know what's happening here. You do, and that is a part of it, but you don't want to rush through it. You really want to savor each panel, um, 
we will say that it uh, involves a magic cat. There is uh, it's magic realism, basically. There are uh, queer themes. Uh, it is very emotional and very... I don't know. Like, it's funny. We talked about um, Paper Girls with mm-hmm. Brian K. Vaughn. And Brian K. Vaughn is somebody that I think really blends the line between uh, comics and graphic novels. That's a dumb sort of distinction. But I think he's really invested in making sure that, you know, yeah. the, both sides of those things are sort of resonating. Sure. This really was like, oh, no, this is what he's aspiring to on, yeah. on the graphic novel side of it. It's the emotional side of this is I kept texting you uh, just pictures of panels um, that were so just rich. emotionally rich and just nailed. like I, and would, that was sta- it. They I were, would stop and just look at them. They were emotionally rich. Yes, yeah. they were beautiful pieces of art, but they looking into them really does touch you in in an emotional place and yeah. in a raw place and i talked about how i didn't want to be rushing through it when i was talking about it and how it's easy to just keep flipping the pages but that i was kind of savoring this strangely also, apologies the... if you said all of this last week no no no, no not <laughs> at all but um in a weird way i savored the ennui of this book yeah and totally. the relationship between the two main characters and where it goes magical realism wise is almost secondary to the feel and the places that you go i've it's been very rare that a comic or a graphic novel uh makes me tear up let alone makes me cry this book made me cry two or three times and not even with the dialogue just with the art and that and that has never happened it's always been the dialogue in a in a cell of of a of a comic that has made me cry instead of just the feel of it and um it has a a twilight zony feel to it a very specific episode um the bewitching pool that uh starred mary bedlam who was a scout um, I need to go watch that. Yeah, it's this. sort of an unknown. Uh, it, it's not a super popular Twilight Zone um, episode. It's probably only known because Mary Bedlam, who played Scout in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, wasn't didn't do a whole lot. Um, but it features a bewitched uh, swimming pool, and it has. I remember, and and when as I was reading, are you listening? I had this very visceral memory of watching the bewitching pool, and I wouldn't be surprised to find out that Tilly uh, Walden had also seen that episode and is also a Tickle and Mockingbird fan, because there's some of those themes and more just that visceral feel to it. Yeah. I just I thought this was so beautiful and I'm I'm quite grateful that that it got handed off to me and gifted to me and I, I, I thought it was lovely. Stuff, I would so. too. I I'm I'm excited to to do that. This is the kind of stuff I've been looking for. Yeah. <laughs> so so emotional, so beautiful. Check it out. Tilly Walden, you're awesome. Yeah. Um so stuff that I saw well, one more thing we saw watched together. We watched John Mulaney Kid Gorgeous uh while we were up in Tahoe. I have Parker. one thought about John Mulaney. Yeah. I do prefer him as a like a character actor. Mm-hmm. I, his stand up I liked, but it uh he's too much of a straight man, and by straight man I don't mean I know straight what you mean. man, I mean like in the old comic yeah, ah, he's... straight man. Ah. Right. Um he 
Yeah, I, I think he's funny, but um, again, for me, I love Oh Hello, I love uh, Sack Lunch Bunch, I love Big right. Mouth. He is a very funny character actor to me, yeah. but it's still fun. He's a great well, guy. And, like, and Parker even said that, I think, knowing how he knows you, yeah. of here, let me show you these few moments. Yeah. Now, from his other two stand-up routines, there will be moments that will really make you giggle. Yeah. We knew you would really like the horse in the hospital some bit. Moments. Yeah, yeah, that's why totally. we chose Kid Gorgeous yeah. because there's this whole Trump bit yeah. that we knew would really get yeah. you. And also, <laughs> so, Radio City Musical was so space. beautiful. Yes, um, absolutely. He's still funny. I still love him. Oh yeah. And of course. if you haven't seen Sack Lunch Bunch, go watch it now because um, I'm obsessed. We watched that again. <laughs> uh, Mr. Music. <laughs> uh, I have watched two episodes of Picard. I don't think I talked about this last week at all. You did not. Um, this is the Jean-Luc Picard uh, sequel to Next Generation. The first episode I was very into was very, it felt like a perfect kind of what I would want from a Next Generation sequel. Light spoilers here. Picard is, I think Old. this is referenced early. He's running a winery. I think there's an episode about this. Oh, yeah. No, it's TNG. totally about. He's got an adorable dog named Number One. Um, and it. It deals with the, the sort of, um, without going too much into spoilers, it deals with the after effects of the last bad TNG movie, which had Data die. And spoilers for a very old movie where Data dies. Um, and what? this is a search for Spock kind of story. You can tell it's that's sort of where it's headed. Um, but ultimately, TNG, the emotional core of TNG was about Picard and Data's friendship. Um, and so I really appreciate that this sequel, instead of just being a nostalgic grab bag, which it is a little bit, that it really focuses on Picard trying to find his best friend. And it made me get a little weepy at points. I think they've also surrounded him with great supporting actors. I don't know if those characters are going to be robust enough to fill the sort of, uh, you know, uh, TNG hole in my heart. But uh, I'm encouraged. They are, I think, going to bring back a lot of um, old... They keep, like, some old dude shows up, and you're like, I remember that old dude. I don't remember what I'm supposed to remember about him. Um, and the Romulans ex expect you to remember a lot about the Romulans. They're like bad Spocks. That's all I remember after watching all of this stuff and spacing out. The Borg are back. Sorry, spoilers for the first episode. I remember the Borg. They're not that interesting. I think some of the like plot mechanics of this are going to be dull or, you know, could be dull. But it gets through the emotional core. And fucking Picard, despite his god-awful French accent, his name is Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> he should know a little French. Um, or you need to make a joke about his name is Jean-Luc Picard and he can't speak any French. My French accent, as anybody who's listened Let's to this podcast it. for a while... All my accents, bad. Um, Maisie agrees. Um, Jean-Luc Picard. But she accents. doesn't agree in French. It's true. Um, anyways, I like the show. I'm going to keep watching it. I watched Discovery a little bit. I thought it was uh, Le Hot Garbage. I love, I love Jean-Luc. I love... Um, I'm not a big Next Generation fan. I watched it because my mom was crazy about it. Um, it's space... I have enough affection for this actor and for this character that even I will watch this stupid show. I would show. love to know your thoughts <laughs> yeah. on it because I, he's Stewart is so good. Patrick Stewart's great. Yeah. I adore him. I and this is as way a human smarter being, than it could have been. 
I love him. I love to watch him with his dumb dogs. I love to watch him with his friendships with McKellen. So I have such affection for him that I'm going to watch this show, even though it's about space. I know. I want your thoughts on it. <laughs> um, speaking of well, space, alternate Earth, I finished... The second book in the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemisin. Yes, I wrote that in the notes so I didn't fuck it up. Um, this is The Obelisk Gate. I really loved the first book, the fifth season, I talked about on the podcast. The second book has been slow going. I I will say that I jumped right into the third book. Um, so I'm already 30% of the way through the third book. Yay, Kindle. Um, so I'm clearly invested enough in this. It has the dreaded second act problem. We need like a little alarm for like second act problem, like a jingle. Um, it, the first book was so about table setting, exploring the world, setting up the conflict, blowing up the world. Where's this going next? So many second books. We talked about this a bit earlier in these kind of dystopian sci-fi books are, they follow that format. And the second book is like, more just blowing up the world until we can get to the resolution in the third book. Um, this book has that problem. It feels a little wheel spinny. This would be a great topic. Sometime we should do like good, like the best and worst second acts um, in right. a trilogy. Uh, we will get there at some point. This one lands somewhere in the middle. I'm still curious. I think she's a fantastic writer um, with a really wide kind of viewpoint of humanity and I love how much the characters are sort of um, just gray. There's grayness in all kind of aspects of this. There's no heroes. There's no sort of clear valor or villainy. Um, I'm going to keep reading. I'm forgetting the third name of the book that I'm reading, but I will have some thoughts. I just want to get It's the third book in the Broken Earth trilogy. Exactly. I'm helping. Um, I watched Miss Americana, the Taylor Swift uh, documentary. Not only because Netflix told us to watch it every thirty it, it seconds, tells us a million times, <laughs> and more on that on my next later. Um, okay, I've talked about it on this podcast. I like Taylor Swift. Uh, Fanny Stone Parker made horrible fun of me. Um, I think he was also subtweeting me <laughs> because I don't hate Taylor Swift. I, Just. I, I know nothing about music, but there are Taylor Swift songs on that I like. And so his making terrible fun of you was a super subtweet at me, just so you, you know. She is undeniably talented. And this Absolutely. shows her writing these songs, like from, I mean, unless it's some great con job, which it could be, but watching her kind of work these songs out um, is proof to me and really fun to watch as somebody who makes a little music of how that process works um she seems very distrustful of everybody and the way that uh, the media presents her and the way that um you know she's sort of like like many artists and kind of bubbled like child celebrities because she was a celebrity since she was like 16 or whatever 17 yeah, no like, at least yeah. yeah these these people don't like, she says this often. She's like, I just grew up wanting to please people. And I know I have a slappable face. She says that at one point, And you're just like, that is so fucked up. And this movie's not digging at all into, like, whatever parent let you. I mean, her mom's sort of in it and has cancer and all of that's very mm -hmm. stressful. But it, you think, God, 
I, no wonder you don't trust anybody. And the fact that you're like in your own small ways trying to be good and trying to come out against shitty like politicians and be a gay ally, you're fucking so fucked up about people of color, Taylor. Like you really got to work on that. But you know, she keeps saying, "I'm learning. I'm not a perfect human being." She's. A, I um, mean. If when you go to prison, you do not mature at the same way and when you get out of prison, like if they say if you go into prison at 25 and you're there for 15 years, you are not a 40-year-old person. Taylor Swift has been famous since she was 15 years old. She's not... In some ways, she is more mature and has to like deal with like financially being responsible for a lot of other people. In a lot of ways, she is also not, what if she nearly 30? She's not nearly 30. She is also still a, a teenager. She's still a baby. She may be stunted from when she went into the prison of being famous. And she has um, a moment in this where it's so cliche, but she says... All the shit went down with Kanye and everybody turned on her. And she's like, I know it's ridiculous. And I know it doesn't really mean anything. But it hurt And her. yet I had no one to call. And I thought, shouldn't I have someone to call? And she's like, I can talk to my mom because she's literally the only person I trust. And I think it was a very genuine moment. And I think that's... No. She's, I mean, I yes, it's a gilded pr- prison. It's, it is. It's, you know, a a golden throne, a golden electric chair, if you will. I'm not saying, oh, poor Taylor that she got to be, but it is a prison. It is the same shielding from society and shielding from maturity that most other people go through. So she isn't, she has not been allowed to age the same way a normal person from 15 to 30 would. She has not spent the same 15 years that most of us do when we learn how to become a grown-up. And it's fascinating because you think you are set for lifetimes over and your mom has cancer and I know that's scary. You can treat her for lifetimes over and yet you can't let go of that sort of wanting to be liked. It's a yep. very intense thing to watch in the documentary, and she's pretty transparent about it, which I found very fascinating. Wanting to be liked and also, I mean, look, how did we all feel when we were 15 and we were wronged and we wanted everyone to be on our side? Yep. And that's a lot. I mean, so much of her, you know, it's 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 a cliche at this point. So much of her music is, oh, this boyfriend was mean to me and, you know, and the whole Kanye thing. And it's so much of who she is. But when you're 17, 18, 22 years old, and all you want is your friends to say, girlfriend, that person was an asshole to you and I got your back and I'll smack them down. And she doesn't have those. She has sycophants. She has her mom. She doesn't have her Justin to say, I got your back and that person's an asshole, you know, and, and that's hard and that's sad. It's not a news story. There's nothing surprising about this, but I will say if you have any interest her as a musician, like it's worth a watch. And I found it kind of moving. Can we do better by her than the world did to Whitney Houston? Oh my God. Right. This is part of my whole catch and kill. My, um, Taylor, uh, not my Taylor Swift, my uh, Rose McGowan, my I am done telling other women, even famous privileged women, why I think they're wrong because society tells me to or or not paying attention to what their damage may be because of 
I society. I've seen too much now with in the light of all of the things that are coming out. Um, this is I have a whole different feeling on Winona Ryder. We were talking about this this weekend of she faded away. We're finding out a lot about Johnny Depp. You know what, Winona? I'm glad you're having your comeback. If you had to go away because something bad happened to you or because you just had to go be with people who knew you because you went through a hard time. I'm not going to say, oh, you're so, you're kind of weird now because you went in and became a recluse and you had your, your comeback. I support you. Your comeback has been fun. I'm glad you have Stranger Things and you have new friends. And if you want to try and catch fireflies on the Emmy stage, good for you. And that's <laughs> yes. how I feel about Taylor Swift. Let's not let her die in a bathtub. Well, and there's also there's a whole thing that I knew about but didn't really know the details of, like, basically this radio promoter a few oh, years ago messed her like, up. put her put his hand up her skirt yep. and then sued her yep. for and, and, and owns her music. Yep. Yeah. Some of it. And she won a she fair did. amount of the case, but it was, it did sound like it was a pretty life changing. Yep. Like she was just like, I, this is what it's, what's at stake. And yep. it forced her to be like, well, forced her. That's a word, terrible word to use in that context, right. but it's like, it opened her mind to like, this is my life and yep. everything that I do is mine <laughs> and she won and she got to have that yeah. and kesha doesn't own her own music same yeah. same type of situation totally. yeah. so i yeah. i look i may not think taylor swift is great and i'm not gonna buy no, all I, of her albums yeah, i wouldn't either but but i am super story. done with yeah. the men in the music industry telling me to squish women down yeah. so i got you your back taylor yeah <laughs> um speaking of music i wanted to play a quick song uh the drive-by truckers go back and listen to our 2020 preview i talked about them uh they have a new album called the unraveling uh this is a band from alabama and athens and all over the south um they're making i think they've made like 10 albums now they're so good that every time you hear a new album you're like i don't know about this one whatever but like they're all great albums and they're amazing songs this song is called thoughts and prayers um i'm gonna just play it and let you figure out what it's about all right here we go my children's eyes look at me and they ask me to explain it hurts me that i have to look away the powers that be are in for shame and comeuppance generation lockdown as their day they'll throw the bums all out drain the swamp for real Walk them down the capital steps Show them how it feels Tramp the dirt down Jesus You can't pray the rod they'll spare Stick it up your ass With your useless thoughts and prayers Stick it up your ass With your useless thoughts and prayers That is Drive by Truckers, Thoughts and Prayers from their new album, um, The Unraveling. It's a great album. All their albums are great. Should we move on to our main topic? Sure, let's do it. Uh, the Good Place. Yay, The Good Place. After four seasons and 52 episodes, The Good Place has ended, offering its truly unique mix of comedy, sci-fi, romance, and philosophy. Uh, warning, we are going full spoilers, so go jump into your Disco Janet void now if you're worried about such things. 
Uh, what did you think of the finale and the show as a whole? Uh, full spoilers. Full spoilers. Uh, show as a whole, I am less biased about this show than a lot of people out there. Um, it spoke to me a lot. I know that people are like, well, it just became convinced of its own brilliance when it became a critical darling. All right, there's a little bit of this, but as a thought experiment and as a, with Mike Schur, they Mike Schur, they came to him and they said, you can do whatever you want. And he swang for the fences and he said, okay, fine. I want to look into philosophy in a way that hasn't been looked at in TV before. And I want to do this weird, wacky shit that makes fun of clam chowder and also talks about theoretical uh, philosophy. And that's huge. And if you get the chance to do whatever you want, this is the way you do it. And so I, I see its faults. I get it. I know it had some low points. I always had way more affection even during its low points for it than, than probably it warranted. Um, and the finale itself... I don't think I made it 30 seconds into the finale before I was sobbing. And I thought it was, maybe it was manipulative. I don't know, but I thought it was beautiful. I thought it had some really touching things to say. Um, actually, I, I wasn't even 30 seconds in because I was crying the next to last episode. There was a speech that I started crying during, and then I cried for a week. <laughs> and then I continued to cry during the finale. However, it also made me very happy, and I thought it had some very profound things to say about life and what we give to each other and what a fulfilling life means. And I, I am so grateful for this show. I, I'm glad that it stopped when it did. I am so grateful for all of these actors. I love that they all seem like they're very good people and that they are very, all very good to each other. Um, I liked watching their actual friendships between each other this whole time. I, the main thing I feel about this show is gratitude, that it exists, that I got to watch it, that it makes me feel like... It, that I'm part of its friendship circle and that it will be there for me to continue to watch it. It had its faults. I see that in the end. I thought this was an important show. I thought it was a kind show and I hope that people continue to try and stretch instead of making the stupid laugh track. I, I love you, Walton Goggins, but instead of making shows like the unicorn that we can all sit down and figure out how to do by adding one and one. I hope people continue to try and make this kind of show. And even if at its lowest, it still tried to do something special. What'd you think? Oh, God damn it. You just like anything I can say, I'm going to sound like a monster or just repeat. You can be a monster. It's um, fine. <laughs> I'm not going to be a monster. I, this show's great. I think it's I think it's one of those shows that with a little distance and maybe even a rewatch, which I don't do very often, I think it's going to be a classic show. Yeah. And I, everything you said about the kindness, I remember hearing about the show when it first started and it was like a Ted Danson, Kristen Bell. Everybody kept calling it a sitcom, but it was sort of like I didn't really know the Mike Sure thing, so I was sort of like what is this thing? Um, it sounds very gimmicky and silly, and I could imagine a terrible sitcom that was going to be canceled in 
a year and then watching it and the first season this is one of those shows that was so tough for me because the first season i think is a perfect season of television it is so funny the way it builds the way it keeps you guessing the way it establishes the characters um those actors interacting for the first time um just the jokes per minute are insane um there was no way that it couldn't disappoint me a little bit as it went on. Absolutely, um, I get that. And it does a pretty good job of 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 reaching towards that greatness. I will say I think it probably could have been three seasons instead of four. Um, the, the, the last two seasons feel like one season worth of plot in my mind. I think the more metaphysical it got with the more um, kind of demon-y um, bureaucracy, the less interested I got. And the more they dug into those characters, the less I, I don't cared think about you're them. wrong. Yeah. Um, and I do think this is a sure problem of <laughs> it really – it gets – uh, you know, um, Kristen Bell, I'm forgetting all the character names. It's getting Kristen Eleanor Bell. Eleanor Shellstrop. Eleanor Shellstrop and Chidi and uh, Michael Ted Danson. It gets those characters very well. Everybody else it wants to get, but it's it just doesn't quite know how to kind of deliver a satisfying character arc, but maybe it doesn't need to. And I guess that's sort of where I landed with it. I did find the finale incredibly moving. I care about those characters, but in some weird way, it made me think about how they didn't really grow as characters very much over the course of it, except for a very obvious, like, one note, like, you know, um, got over my, like, crazy sister and family, and everybody thinks I'm dumb, and I don't feel like I'm dumb anymore. It, like... I think a rewatch may, it may help you with some... I had the, pro- the same problem with the Parks and Rec. Right. I didn't watch um, Parks and Rec. Yeah, it's... He's so good at introducing this sort of wonderful, chaotic brew. He's a little more Ryan Murphy in this way. I mean, obviously, I think he's much more sort of thoughtful and right. soulful than Ryan Murphy in a lot of ways. Um, but it... Yeah, he's great at the setup, and I'm not sure it sort of did justice the characters in a way that was super satisfying to me overall, but... He may need a Mark Frost to his David Lynch. 100% true. Um, but I still really enjoyed it, and I do yeah. think I'm going to look back, especially on the, the great episodes, and for introducing us to all of these actors. I want to see all of them. I have a crush on all of them. Yes, the way absolutely. that um, Kristen Bell is like sort of pansexual as <laughs> the character, Eleanor Shellstrop, like you feel that way for the show. You're just like, I want to be near all these people and I want to marry them. Or do I just like them? Or like, it's like got this chaotic charisma energy that is so intoxicating. I also love that character's willingness to embrace the fact that she is a garbage person. Yes. Um, I, because we all feel like that sometimes oh, and totally. her ability to just go, yeah, that's the weird shit I did. Um, be a little bit worried about it when it comes to the people like the only time she really worries about it is when it comes to the people that she cares about and then it's like i still did her honesty is refreshing that she's not trying to hide it but that she embraces it and is it's hard to do that and i like that character i know that's sort of a Kristen bell thing that she does you know that 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 slightly hard edge that you wouldn't expect because she's so so stunningly beautiful and and talented and so you're like oh look it's funny that she often plays these damaged people but i think particularly in this character 
her willingness to embrace that is is kind of wonderful. And did her she ever get an Emmy nomination for this show? I don't know. Um, I don't think she did. I don't think she did. And that is criminal because she is so. She's good. great. I mean, she really anchors the show in a way that I yeah. don't think. Like, and gets enough credit. Look, a lot of its philosophy is amazing, and and was a good entree to many people about philosophy. Um, Chidi's wave speech for Buddhism is amazing, and if that. if you can hear it over your sobbing, yeah. then then Did you go see back. the tweet that somebody pointed out that um, Jason's wearing a wave shirt. Yes, when he walks through that. I, that melt yeah. that killed me a little bit. Yeah, um, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, um, but also it's. The times that it doesn't talk about philosophy, that it goes into um, the meaning of death and what knowing about death, even in the hereafter, can mean, was heart-wrenching and also truly beautiful. And look, I know I talk about this a lot on this podcast, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be a bummer, but for those of us that have had that aren't afraid of death, that, that embrace that as something that may not even be a bad thing or may be welcome. Um, it's a beautiful and heartbreaking reminder of, and that's why it's important. And, and that's why it's important to also wait until you have absolutely done everything you want to do. And when the breath in your body feels like the breath out the air outside that's when you're ready and the acknowledgement that there is an end and that it's okay was so beautiful to me of you know when you're ready and it will be peaceful and it's okay to want it to end this permission that it's the death is okay to want it was gorgeous and and done in a welcoming way was something i haven't seen on tv before i mean i've seen things where they talk about you know euthanasia for super old people or whatever you know you know like how it's everybody's the right to die and all of this but in a philosophical terms and in the good place in the elysian fields to say even if heaven went on forever, it might lose its meaning. And so it's beautiful to want to be done, to, fee- to feel fulfilled, to feel fulfilled. And I, that spoke to me in a very beautiful and, again, ennui way that, that had me crying, but not necessarily completely out of sadness. I just, and, and surprised me, like I had tears running down my face and didn't know that I had started crying. <laughs> Almost a strange relief of, oh, look, somebody else sees what I see. And I I am grateful to this show. I see its faults, but I do think it was really beautiful. And I'm glad to have been able to go on the ride. Me too. And I had a mix, but I just I don't want to go into it. Because I okay. want to end on that beautiful note. Um, it, it involves streaming services not being able to find a Super Bowl halftime. Deal with it, people. Um, <laughs> we can talk about the Super Bowl halftime next week. Exactly. Uh, we love you guys. Stay safe. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Do it. <laughs> I'm. Uh, if you want to talk to us about what you thought about the 
the end of The Good Place or any other good things, let's stay on that. You can find us at Facebook. Just search for The Nick's Podcast. You can email us, uh, motiontonicks at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at The Nick's Podcast. And I'm at Fanny V. Darling. I'm at Justin Hartung. Have a great week.